We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balfin from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balfin and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm discussing High Stakes Fantasy Football with John Modav and Tom Zaretic, the champions of the 2020 FFPC Big Payback 12-team league in which they cashed a $25,000 prize. Their total winnings in the FFPC number well over $70,000. In this episode, we try to figure out how they had such a dominant team after selecting Christian McCaffrey at the 101, what to expect from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in the Bills' backfield in 2021, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Now, without further ado, here are the 2020 FFPC $25,000 Big Payback winners, John Modaf and Tom Zaretic. Pleased to be joined. It's the season finale of the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week, and, and uh, who better to bring it than uh, a couple of uh, fellow Midwesterners like myself, it's John Modef, it's Tom Zaretic, who won the FFPC Big Payback League this year. 
have $25,000 to show for it. Gentlemen, thanks so much for making a little time in a busy NFL playoff slate uh, coming up the divisional playoffs this weekend. Thanks so much for making some time on uh, on the show this week. Thank you. Nice yeah, thank you. Us. Thank you. Excited to, excited to be on it. That means we did get around it again. Yes, exactly. Well, you guys were so good the first time on the, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I, I quite frankly could not ignore you for the season finale of the Rotoviz High Stakes uh, Lowdown for sure. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk to you about um, is, is the Big Payback Championship. Now, you guys have had a lot of success with the off-the-grid contest, runners-up twice. You won the whole thing once. The Big Payback this year, you guys take the whole thing down, and this is huge. Because you beat a lot of former guests, not only of this show, but of the high six fantasy footballers as well. Todd Barkstadt, Bill Azell, Ron Gachet, Jack Hahn, Greg Cantor, Drew and Josh Maselli, Doug Moe, uh, Jeff Tirabasi. You guys beat all of them this year en route to a $25,000 payday. So, John, I, I got to ask you, compared to some of the best balls that you've done in the past, including this year, I know you had some success in that as well, compared to the main events, some of the other leagues, how much did you and Tom switch up your strategy in this draft knowing you were competing against the best of the best? Well, we, we've always had a strategy where we, we definitely target – we're usually running back heavy. I mean, every year we target – you know, because we always target running backs. But we did switch it up a, a bit because we were very high on Lamar Jackson. So we took him even a little higher than we wanted to. So when we got McCaffrey first, which, of course, didn't work out for us that great, but – we came back down and we took, you know, it was a little, it was a little off our strategy when we took DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Jackson. So we, we were looking at, well, if we got the best running back, we could have the best quarterback and we also could have the best wide receiver. So that was something we were looking at, like, okay, we got three studs to build around and then try to get our depth at running back, you know, in the fourth and fifth round and sixth rounds like that. So we were more, like I said, we switched it up a little bit just kind of targeting saying, hey, can we get the best quarterback in our mind because of the rushing yards? Can we get, you know, arguably it could be the best receiver in the league also. So we were, that was a little bit different than we usually do. A lot of times we go three running backs in a row our first three picks. So we're kind of usually, you know, so running back heavy, and then we fill in at the receiver position. Tom, let me throw this one uh, to you, and, and, and John already alluded to it. Um, most people who had the 101 in drafts last year, took Christian McCaffrey. They never even sniffed the playoffs because of how much time he missed. You guys in this league competing against, again, the best the FFTC has to offer. You not only made the playoffs, but you won the whole thing in week 16. So I'm kind of curious, Tom, how do, how were you guys able to pull this off despite, you know, really busting out at the 101? That's a, that's a great question. And I think I, 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 agree, I agree with you. It's an honor to be uh, mentioned among the greats like that. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it humbles me. I love it. It's great. And, uh, you know, I think I think we just were very uh, active and, and, and uh, on the waiver wire. And, you know, we were just trying to fill holes if necessary. Um, <clears throat> I think we, we, you know, we had some mid-round draft picks or running backs that really ended up panning out for us at the end of the season. And, um, you know, we did, we, we did lose out on Mike Davis and, and then we had to kind of shift gears and, and navigate a different direction. And I think we just managed our team, you know, we didn't panic, you know, and, um, try to make crazy decisions and, you know, juggle the lineup. We try to stay consistent with our philosophy. And, uh, and I think, you know, we just, we got lucky, you know, with some good solid, Running backs panning out, you know, towards the end of the season. Jamie McKissick, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like McKissick, yeah. So, you know, he was he was truly an MVP, uh, and what he was able to uh, generate and you know uh, for us down the stretch uh, really came through for us. And and we did, we we kind of we did, we, we we targeted him. We knew that with Alex Smith being at the at the helm. We just felt that, you know, Alex Smith is a check down guy. And I think that McKissick was just going to, you know, fit that, that concept a lot better. And we were really excited when we were able to land him. I'm just kind of curious uh, when, when you talk about um, the draft and, and management, uh, Tom, here, because I think, you know, especially on Twitter and whatever in, in the drafting season, so much emphasis is put on those early rounds. But you guys – 
I mean, the reason you won this league, the reason you guys have had a lot of success in the FFPC over the years has been not only the mid-rounds, but the waiver wire as well. How how close would you equate the middle rounds of these high-stakes drafts as well as the waiver wire as, you know, to the early rounds of the draft, which so many people put such an emphasis on, given that you guys whiffed on the 101 and still won 25 grand? That's a, that's a good point you make. And I think you know, these days, these years, it just seems, I don't know, just as years pass, it seems like they're developing these these waiver wire guys, someone goes down this next man up on some, a lot of these NFL teams. And it seems like these, these young ones are, you know, ready to step in there and, and produce. And I just don't remember seeing that as much, maybe five, 10 years ago as I see it now, you know, like, you know, the, the kids from Jack, Jacksonville or, you know, you just, you, I could go on and on a list of these rook, these rookies and young running backs and backups that just step in and produce. And, uh, I think they're just as valuable. I think, you know, I think mid, mid round RBs and lose. waiver wires, I think, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're equally invaluable. I don't, nowadays at least, it doesn't, it seems like they, they, they've come more and more productive. Well, and there has been a shift. And you guys obviously accentuated that with your, with your 12th round pick, John, in this draft, the Minnesota Vikings receiver, the rookie out of LSU, Justin Jefferson, you get him with the final pick of the 12th round. So take me back through the process in this big payback. What did you and Tommy sort of see in him uh, as far as 2020 goes? And then looking forward, um, when, when you guys are drafting in the late summer, the early fall, how high would you take him in drafts in 2021, John? Um, you know, me and Tommy kind of have a we, – we have a pretty set strategy. We're kind of on the same page with this. Like we look for – High ceiling guys, especially after the eighth, ninth round. I mean, you get into, you get to the tenth round in these drafts. It's like, what can this guy do for me in a ceiling wise? You know, we could take a guy like a Larry Fitzgerald that might get you four catches for 40 yards this late in his career, but we're looking at Justin Jefferson with, with Stefan Diggs being shipped to Buffalo in Thielen. We were like, this guy, you know, he can step right in and be a thousand yard guy. Could be an 80, 100 catch guy. 1,000, 1,300-yard guy, just like T. Higgins. You know, we got T. Higgins as well. So we're looking at these these young guys. Tommy kind of talked about it. You know, you're looking at these young guys that can that can produce. They can win you leagues. You know, when you're looking at a guy, I don't I don't need a rusty veteran as a receiver. I can pick one of those guys up on the waiver wire any time of the year. You know, you can get a guy that might be able to grind. I mean, we're looking for guys that are, you yeah. know, he can win yeah. you leagues. Like, we're like, can he win us a league? Can T. Higgins win us a league? Can some of these young guys that start clicking, you know, T Higgins with Burrow, you know, that hurt him when Burrow went down, but he's another guy that probably would have been cemented in our lineup if Burrow doesn't go down. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. Know, you look at those guys and it's, you know, it, it was something that like Tommy, you'll agree. Like we look, you know, we, that's the one thing we do is what's just, what's this guy's ceiling, not his floor. If his floor is, you know, if we pick him in the 12th round and he's not what we thought he could be, well, you're not risking that much, but what he's going to offer you in the high end is a lot of is, is, a, is you know can lead you to a championship. Yeah, John, let me yeah. let me piggyback on that real quick and and ask you this: At what point in the draft do you and Tom sort of stop? Like, obviously, you have to look at a floor at at some point, and whether yeah, that's oh, yeah. you know, your first yeah, round, second yeah. round, whatever. Yeah. At what point do you guys stop looking at floor? and start focusing only at ceiling in a high-stakes draft? You know, like I said, I was kind of throwing it out there. There's no set round, but we're kind of, you know, like I said, pretty much about the eighth rounds. I mean, it's eighth, ninth. I mean, we It's all about ceiling then after yep. that. Oh, yeah, all about ceiling. <laughs> we're trying to – and then we, we might take a stab at a grinder, you know, maybe a running back guy that could, you know, be like a, you know, a vulture, a, a Frank Gore type or so. You know, we – we might take a stab at that, but, you know, like I said, it's what, what can they offer us? Once we got a set, you know, we got our guys that we're looking at our core guys. We're looking like who can, who can step in and, and win us. You know, that, that's, yeah. you know, about, what do you yeah. think about eighth round, Tommy? That's kind of, yeah, no, I would say eighth, that. Ninth, yeah, was, tenth, you know, that, you know, yeah. it's no set thing. I, we kind of do it by feel. We're, I would, yeah. We're not analytic agree. guys. We're all like, you know, we're, <laughs> it's all about feel in the eye test, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, I watch a lot of college football and, you know, he was a monster. Jefferson was a monster at, you know, was a monster at uh, LSU, LSU and then you got Higgins yeah. at Clemson. You know, I mean, you just look at these guys and you're like, they, they got the bodies and 
you know, I thought that, you know, like I said, like a guy like Higgins with Burrow would click and a guy stepping into Stefan Diggs' shoes would yeah. get every opportunity in the world to excel. And he did, you know, he yeah. set rookie records. So he was, I think, I think these, uh, I agree with John, you know, we, we, we think that there's these rookie receivers, um, you know, there's so much high ceiling with them um, these days. They can just be good. They can, teams can plug them in and they can produce. And we're like, hey, you know, who can maybe single-handedly win us a game one week in, one week out? You know, are we going to go with, a, you know, again, a bad example. I don't want to use Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer and all. But, you know, I mean, you know, you want to go with Larry Fitzgerald in the 10th or 12th round. You want to try to gamble on the high ceiling who could come in there, plug him in, and maybe has a 30-point day. And uh, that's exactly what happened this year is, uh, you know, these T. Higgins and these, uh, um, you know, the Justin Jeffersons of the world, they stepped in. And when we put them in there, they produced. And thankfully they did because we needed a whole team effort when we had the number one overall pick go down immediately. It just and not have them all season. We had to get our, our, you know, our philosophy panned out for us. Tom, I'm going to ask you about the NFL playoffs in a little bit, but as long as we touched on Dynasty here real quick, John, I want to ask you, since since you guys watch a lot of college football, I know you play FFPC Dynasty. Mm-hmm. It's so early in the process. You know, there's there's rudimentary NFL drafts out there. Um, from what you've seen out of the college football season, is there any player that you're super excited about for rookie drafts when, when we get to it in 2021 yeah. here in May? Yeah, I mean, I'll just touch on a couple guys to not get too deep into this. But, you know, if you're looking for a quarterback, of course, you're going to look at Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, I'm very excited to see where Justin Fields goes just because of his legs. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence uses his legs too. But he's a guy that could produce, you know, 50 to 80 yards rushing in a game. And not even if he doesn't get much passing, you're still getting those yards. And then – a guy that still isn't, even on, like, McShay and stuff, like, you know, look at Devonta Smith. I mean, you look at a guy that yeah. that he is as skinny as he is. I mean, he's a monster. I mean, he's a monster just like we'll see. Jamar Chase, I'm very excited about him, too, as a receiver, but he didn't play this year. So it's like a, you know, is that year off going to help him? Did he get stronger? Did he get better? But, you know, I look at, you know, somebody like, you know, those two guys are both – you know, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith. I mean, you look at um, Jalen Waddle on Alabama. You know, he's another guy that got hurt. But, I mean, these guys are explosive. They're in offenses that excel. I mean, I just, you know, I don't want to talk bad about somebody. But, like, you look at the Eagles, you look at, like, you know, you start talking about, like, Jalen Rieger. You know, when they come out of certain, you know, offenses in college, I'm a little – I'm a little scared at what they're going to do in the pros when they're just more of a tape-slash-combine type guy than compared to some guy that produced on the, the highest level. So that's, you know, you look at some of these these guys coming out of the programs, LSU, Georgia, Clemson, you know, get you know it's, they don't produce huge receivers. But a guy like Chase Claypool that came from Notre Dame, he came out of Notre Dame and caught a ton of balls for Pittsburgh and was a big impact, but... Yeah, that's, I look for those high-impact guys on big programs that have been in the limelight because they're usually not gun-shy. <laughs> John, let, yeah, that's, let, that's a good let point. Me, that's a really good point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let me ask you guys this, and, and John, I'll let you feel this one. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Opted out of the season. Obviously yep. a bananas 2019 with Joe yeah, Burrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think about the NFL Combine. This, this coming year in whatever form it takes. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly my point. Are Do you think that dynasty players are in danger of overrating the combine for these guys that opted out uh, as yes. opposed to guys we saw all season? How do you guys play that in, as far yeah, as Yeah, I, I think that comes into it a lot. I mean, like I said, there's, there's always those guys that go to the combine and they're – you know, we call I just call them the shirtless, you know, the shirtless shorts on all stars, you know, they The Underwear Olympics. Yep, there you go. They look the part, they look the part, the numbers are incredible, but do you see it in person? And that's the thing that's I scratch my head on and GMs, aka maybe my guy Ryan Pace, but you know, you look at some of these guys that, you know, just look the part and everything, but they'd never produced at the the highest level. It's uh you know, yeah. look at Adam Shaheen for the the Bears. They're calling him Mini Gronk, second round pick out of a small school. <laughs> you know, he caught a couple touchdowns for Miami, but you know, he a bust. You know, in the second round, that had all the talent in the world supposedly. You know, combine guy, but yeah, Jamar Chase, but he put it up on tape last year. So 
you know, I don't, I'm not thinking people are going to overvalue him over somebody else, but, you know, look at a guy like Devonta Smith coming into this year was looked at like somebody similar to a Henry Ruggs. You know, Ruggs is, you know, deep threat burn, you know, come out. and But he, he proved a little bit more too. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think people are going to over, overvalue, but, you know, there could be some some of that in there on some of these guys that opted out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, go ahead, Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I, I think when you – been talking about Chase, I, I, I would, I would probably, me personally, I would look elsewhere. I think I just, you know, he was, he's coming, he's a year off, and then you, he, he played in the in the system with Burrow and, and Jefferson, and I just, I don't know, I just feel like if I'm gonna gamble on a dynasty high draft pick, you know, I, I I'm gonna calculate my gamble and and calculate the risks, and I, I may have to find better, you know, equal value elsewhere that played this year. I can watch more tape on, you know, watch the games, see how they come off their, you know, off the snap, you know, if they're coming, getting out of their, you know, getting out of the, you know, the tight, you know, a man-to-man, you know, if they can get loose and, uh, you know, if they can, and are they good route runners? I think these days, these kids coming out of college, they got, you know, I think if, if they're getting touted as being great route runners, I, I think that is something that people need to put a lot of value into it. Because, mm-hmm. you know... I, I think that seems to be the biggest problem with kids coming out of college is that, you know, they're not disciplined to the route runners and then the quarterbacks are upset at the pro level and, you know, and then they're losing snaps and targets because of it. Something Justin I, Jefferson excelled at, actually. Right, exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I promise you we're going to get back to the NFL playoffs here in a little bit. John, I want to pitch this back to you. And, Tom, when when John's done talking about it, I, I, I encourage you to chime in on this. Um we got the news. We're recording this here on Wednesday night. Um, we got the news today that the Bears are bringing back not only Matt Nagy as the head coach, but Ryan Pace as as the GM. Um, John, your initial thoughts on this as, as as far as how we treat the Bears skill position guys, Allen Robinson, a free agent, David Montgomery obviously coming back as the lead running back. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Happy, sad, indifferent, John. On the the Ryan Pace angry, Nagy news, angry. It's uh, angry. So angry. you wanted something new. Uh, I wanted I wanted the head off at the top, not George, but I wanted I wanted Ted Phillips out, and I wanted a new director of football operations. It was talked that Ryan Pace might bump up and then hire his own GM, but I think they're just spinning their tires. And you know, if they're if they're going to use a first rounder, which I don't know what'll be there at the twenty this year, but um. You know, I, I I don't know. You think it'll hold on, hold on, John. Do you think it'll be a skill position guy? Um, let me let me stop right here. Okay. They invested Cole Komet last year. Yep. David Montgomery still under contract. Mm-hmm. Obviously, was explosive down the stretch. Yeah. Allen Robinson, a free agent. I was big on Anthony Miller last year. It didn't pan out, but Mooney looks like the real deal. Yep. What do you think as far as a fantasy perspective on uh, not only maybe just day one, but day two as well? You know, my thing is, is that I don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback position. I don't know if they're going to go after right. Sam Darnold. I don't know if they're going to use Foles because he's under contract. I mean, these what about Stafford? What about Stafford coming to Chicago? I don't. I would take him. I would take him. I don't know what the cost would be on him. He's older. You know, not old, old, but what is Stafford? Thirty-two, thirty-three, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I would love to see it. I don't know what they'd have to give up for him. I mean, it, it, I mean, he's a gunslinger that can yeah. put the ball on uh, right on the spot. You know, I mean. You know, yeah. Take it's our play callers, yeah. Right, yeah. Tom, what do you think they're going to do early on in the draft? I mean, is there a skill position guy here? Because I know, like, you know, the receiver maybe isn't as top-heavy this year, but but it's it's deep again. Um, we, the running back position, maybe not as great, but there are some difference makers. What do you want to see the Bears? Well, more importantly, what do you think the Bears are going to do? Oh, God. <laughs> they're going to screw it up. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go there and they're going to screw it all up. But they'll probably hit on a third rounder. You know, that's that's what we yeah. do. Here. They're going to yeah, they're going to trade down in the draft. You know, and uh, pick up a couple of uh, uh, division two uh, <laughs> and and, and um, you know, and, and they're going to develop them over six years, I guess. Right? That's, that's that never pan out. I don't know. I'm I'm done with the Bears. I'm exhausted with them. I don't want to see the same, you know, it's the same old, same old, you know, and it's, 
it's exhausting. And I don't know. They should go for a wide receiver. They need to get them what's the best available at that spot. And or alignment, too. That's, that's or alignment. Yeah, Honestly, I would love for them to go get a, a, a big you know, alignment. <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. But, but, you know, if they're going to, if Allen Robinson's gone and they don't sign a free agent in the offseason, then they got to, they got to get the best receiver on, on the board. We're, we're going to get into Allen Robinson shortly here with John, but Tom, l- let me ask you this. We were treated to an awesome, awesome weekend of wildcard football. A triple header on Saturday, a triple header on Sunday. I loved it. It was fantastic. From a fantasy standpoint, strictly, Tom, what was the most surprising thing you saw this past weekend in uh, the NFL? Right off the top of my head, I just some of these, you know, bigger, uh, you know, uh, running backs, just the bigger name running backs are out of the picture. You know, I just, uh, you, you think the, you know, the, you know, that the Titans would have could have advanced, knowing that they had the, you know, uh, a stronger running game with, you know, with uh, Derrick Henry, but you know, it just was surprising. Usually, playoffs it's the running game and defense and. That's the philosophy, the formula for success. And I, I didn't, you know, it was kind of a little different. It was a little different. And, uh, you know, I was surprised to see, you know, that some of these, uh, bigger name running backs didn't put up numbers like, you know, in, in, in advance and it cost them, I guess. So I, it was, uh, I think that was the biggest surprise. Tom, let me ask you this real quick. Um, next year, 2021 drafts, how high are you and John? And I don't know if you've had conversations about this. How high would you and John consider Jonathan Taylor in drafts next year? Is he a late first-round pick? Is he higher? Is he lower? How do you guys handle him, knowing that we won't see him now again until August? Well, well he, he raised a lot of eyebrows down the stretch here. I, you know, it seems that's what he did. He definitely, he definitely raised the eyebrow for a lot of people. I, you know, I think, you know, with the Colts, you got one of the, the strongest offensive lines, and. Um, and, and you have to, when you're looking at running backs, you have to look at them as, as, as you know, and, and you have to look at the offensive line. You have to see what they, you know, what they got. Because an average running back could be a pro bowler if they got a top-notch, uh, top-five offensive line. So I think the sky's the limit in that over there with the Colts and that offensive line. And John, you know, Taylor, the way he was able to just kind of like, it seemed like he just found his niche and he got really comfortable. And he was right. in first. You know, he just kind of got comfortable with the system. He knew the, you know, the playbook, and 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 that may be, that that probably is a challenge in, in that, you know, with uh, with in that system, you know, and uh, Frank Reich system. Yes, they got some they got some wide receiver threats, so I think there might be some open lanes. I think you know that they, they can stretch the field, and with a gunslinger at the at the helm, you know, it's going to open up some space, and those guys can block. That's a strong offensive line. That's a good unit. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely look at well. I you know what? We should, people name. should look elsewhere on Jonathan Taylor. Elsewhere, let's let's <laughs> <laughs> don't think it's Jonathan Taylor. He's bad. He's bad news. He's <laughs> I, it's so funny because like I know with the FFPC, we're going to be launching like you know thirty five dollar, two hundred fifty dollar best balls here in the next couple of weeks before uh, we get to the championship weekend, and um, it'll be very interesting to see where a guy like uh, Jonathan Taylor goes and drafts uh, uh, for sure. I want to bring it back to the Bears now because not only not only because you guys are experts on this, but because I think I, as far as I, I have like seven or eight dynasty teams, I think the one player I own on him most is Allen Robinson. I am a huge, huge Allen Robinson fan. He's a free agent, John. Mm-hmm. What are the chances, number one, he comes back to the Bears? And if he doesn't come back to Chicago, how high do you move his ceiling with a non-Mitchell Trubisky slash Nick Foles quarterback uh, on a different squad, you're saying, or with a yes, exactly, player? yeah. Like if he um, if he signs know, with somebody else, you know, with Allen Robinson, you know, he was Mitch's security blanket. So you know, he's I think his ceiling is a you know he's a definite hundred catch guy, twelve to fourteen hundred yards. I mean, you put him on a team, let's you know, let's just toss around. Let's just say he goes. I mean, I, I haven't heard any rumors. I mean, he's talking, you know, trying to play the game. He's talking about coming back, but what? Yeah. So, so that, that let me ask you that right now. You're in Chicago. What are you hearing? You think Allen Robinson is going to be a Bear next year? I, I think it's what they. I think he's going to need some kind of assurances. Who's going to be a quarterback? I mean, if they say, "Hey, we're going to draft a young kid," I mean, do we go Kyle Trask at the twenty? 
and then try to, you know, have be, have Nick Foles be a bridge quarterback? I he's mean, gone. Does he I think be, he's yeah. gone. John, I think huh? he's gone. Yeah. He's, I think he's gone. He's gone. He's leaving. If he gets money elsewhere, he he needs money. I mean, at this point in his career, he want, you know, it's, it is. It's going to be a money thing, and the Bears – Probably won't pay him. I mean, yeah. I, no. Here's the deal. I want him to stay, and that, that hurts yeah. me. I, I, I mean, it's. You know, it's yeah. uh, I agree, John. I, I mean, we all love him here in Chicago. We, yep. we we definitely want to see him stay here and stay up there. Uh, but money wise, who knows? Maybe he goes back to Jacksonville. Look at their cap. You know, they get oh, yeah. Down. You know, who yep. knows? I mean, maybe he goes so, back to Florida with no state income tax. You never okay, know. so okay, so <laughs> let's let's assume he's gone. Well, I mean, for the purpose of this question, John, let's assume he's gone. Yep. Who, who's the Bears receiver to own for Dynasty? Is it Mooney? Mooney? It is Mooney? Mooney, Mooney as the year went on, he showed that he he flashed. And you look at that game against the Packers, you watched that probably the whole game too. I mean, oh, yeah, was, absolutely. I mean, what he can do after he catches the ball, and as long as they can get it in his hands, I mean, he's dangerous. He's a guy that, you know, they've got to bring somebody else in, like Tommy said. Like if, if Robinson is gone and we're sitting there at 20 – I mean, there's a couple kids, a kid out of Ole Miss has been tied to the Bears. It's Elijah kid. There's some other guys. But, you know, I Darnell, to me, Mooney's on my fantasy team. I like him. I think he could be an 80-catch guy next year with some huge, you know, big play potential as long as somebody can get him the ball. That's what I'm scared about. <laughs> you know, somebody's got to, and Nagy's got to be able to do something. They bring him back. I don't, you know, when Nagy's got that call sheet in his hands, it makes me nervous. So he's a yeah. – you know, but I get no. Yeah, listen, yeah. I, I I totally get it. I, I I understand what you're going through because even though I'm not a Bears fan, I'm an Allen Robinson fan, and I want yep. to make sure that I'm maximizing his potential in my dynasty leagues for, for sure. sure. I yeah, want to yeah. shift back the the conversation here, Tommy, to to the NFL postseason real quick. Um, Buffalo, they are still in action this weekend, um, trying to get to the AFC Championship game. We know if they do that. It will be without Zach Moss, um, who is out. He was placed on IR earlier this week. So going forward, knowing that we're going to see nothing but Devin Singletary, maybe a little Devontae Freeman in that backfield for the rest of the way, how do you see the Bills running backs, uh, the, the share, um, shape up for 2021, knowing that Moss will be a big factor, knowing Singletary would be a big factor? Do you target any of these guys? Do you fade both of them? How, how do you handle this, Tommy? Oh, that's a that's a great you know another great question. I think with the Buff Bills organization, I mean they did draft back to back first round pick running backs, didn't they? I mean there wasn't was a whole second. Yeah, maybe second or second. Singletary, oh, I think high. was a second. Yeah. yeah, it was their high draft picks were uh, you know two two uh, two back to back. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft a running back again this year. So it seems like uh, you know it's a spot. To, you know, I don't know. They didn't. I don't know if the guys didn't know the playbook very well, or <laughs> you know, um, were they in the doghouse? But I don't. Know, Singletary just didn't seem to pan out as much as people probably thought he would have. Um, you know, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think they may it, look elsewhere. They may bring someone it, else in. I don't, I don't know if they're going to rely on these two. I mean, Zach Moss still has a lot of upside. I don't know what to think of the uh, of Singletary right now. Well, it might be one of those cases, too, where, like, you know, you talk about, I think Steve Spurrier said this way back in the day when he was coaching Florida, like, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterback. And maybe in the NFL, we have Singletary and Moss, you don't have any running back there either. So maybe from a fantasy perspective, it's like, okay, these guys are okay later on in drafts, but certainly not a guy you want to target as your number two running back. Right, Tom? I agree. I agree. And, and you're right. I think if some of these guys, you know, they perform when they got more volume. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, and I, yeah. So I can see that. Yeah, I can see that with Zach Moss more than I could with Singletary. Well, it's just, and it's one of those things too. It's just like, okay, well, they already had Singletary, and then they invest in Moss. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's they. Who, who better to analyze Devin Singletary's value than the team that drafted him, and and right. then that team invested in Zach Moss. Um, speaking of young running backs, let's shift it back to Dynasty here. I know we're bouncing around all over the place. John, your 750 Dynasty League in the FFPC. Six out of 20 spots on this squad for you are Chicago Bears. Out of all the Tritone guys on this team. <laughs> drinking that Kool-Aid. Exactly. Drinking the Bears Kool-Aid, which I – listen, it's, it's, there's worse Kool-Aids to drink. Who are you most excited about? 
for for 2021 out of all the Bears you have on this dynasty squad? Uh, I'm very excited, depending on the quarterback and how they shift play. Cole Komet, I mean, he's a guy that's a monster. When you see him catch the ball, he can catch everything. He's a monster to bring down. I mean, I'm I'm very high on Cole Komet. I got him, you know, and some other stuff, some other dynasty stuff I do. And, you know, I just – I was really, truly hoping for a coaching change. I think David Montgomery, I mean, unless they use him like they did, I mean, he's somebody that, you know, he needs he needs the touches. He's a guy that spins off. He's he's hard to tackle. He's he's not a tall guy, but he's a thick guy. So, I mean, I'm still high on him and also Darnell Mooney. You know, like we talked earlier, we already touched on Mooney, but he's a guy that, you know, he's – He's got that. He's got that speed, the shiftiness. His hands have improved since you know Tulane. Uh, he, you know, but getting back to you know Cole Komet, he is. I think he's a real deal. And if they utilize him more, and Jimmy Graham, I don't think he'll be back next year with the Bears. I think he's either going to retire or maybe sign elsewhere. If they don't, owe, I don't know what they owe him. It's a two-year deal, but I don't know how much guarantees left. But you know, I think Komet's going to be a focal point. Should be. If he's not, he should be. But, again, we're, we're talking about Matt Nagy uh, at the helm, so we'll see We'll see what happens there. John, let me ask you this. I got um, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week, Jerry Palmer is going to be our guest. He took third place in the uh, FFPC main event this year. He is also, like you and Tom, from Illinois. Yeah, I'm going to ask him about Cole Komet, but just kind of shift it to a redraft perspective here. Um, next year. Cole Komet showed a lot at the end of the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. How high would you draft a guy like Komet in the FFPC main event in the in the FFPC big payback next year? Yeah. Is he a top 10 tight end or is that too aggressive? I think that's – I'm thinking that that 10 range is probably, you know, I mean, no, everybody drafting 30th. No, I just said Tommy was saying. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think I think you're right there, you know, Eric. I, I think you're, you're kind of right there. I think – you know, I don't think he's a top five type guy yet. I mean, there's not really when you when you look at it, I mean, really is there you know, once you get past Kelsey, Kittle, you start looking at some of the other guys, you know, you start getting into some of these um you know, like getting off the top of my head, but you start you, you get off the top four or five guys, you start to hit into that you know, again, what's the potential? Can this guy just get me three catches for 30 every game, or is this guy can get me maybe seven for 90 and a tutty? And you, and just like the FFPC, which is different, you know, you get a point and a half a catch. So I would rank him right around 10. I would say 10 to 12 is what I'd rank him. Tom, are you falling in on that same line of thinking with Cole Komet for 2021? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat me – Maybe 15th. I got him. I don't have him inside the top 14. Maybe top 15. I don't know. I wouldn't say top 12. No. No. Okay. That's why we like to argue on draft nights. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is, this is interesting because I know you guys have talked um, every single year um, trying to get on the same page prior to your high stakes drafts, um, trying to get on the same page with blind bidding, trying to get on the same page with lineup setting. Um, I, I'm just curious, Tom, as, as I pitch this question to you, how who is who is a guy that you you and John really nailed this year? As far as we're not drafting him at all, and he sucked, or we're going to draft him everywhere we can, and, and, and he was awesome. Um, and a guy that that was the opposite end of the spectrum, where you targeted him a lot, and he was terrible, or a, a guy that you faded, oh, but was awesome this year. <laughs> John knows who I vented a lot about the whole year yep. <laughs> at the tight end position again. <laughs> yep, you can tell. Uh, we, we argued yeah. about that a little. Uh, yeah, Evan, we, I think Evan Ingram in the, you know, was, I mean, he, just you just expect more production from him, you know. I, I, he, he has all the physical features of, of you know, he's got, he's got good hand, I mean, he's got speed. I just, I just didn't see a lot as the production. He's very frustrating. It's yes. hard to roll him out there, starting him week in and week out, and he gets you, you know, four point five because he and he was getting these like garbage points too at the end of the season, at the end of the game. So it's just to me, Ingram really didn't pan out to what I, we would hope for, um, and uh, that was frustrating. Something that uh, you know me and Johnny kind of just were really upset and frustrated about. It's not getting that. To, you know, production consistency 
that we were hoping for. And we kind of probably knew that going into it. I think John was more high on him than I was. Uh, but uh, I would say Ingram was the most frustrating pick that we had. A guy like Leonard Fournette, too, that guy was a frustrating guy that we thought. Oh, totally, yeah. No, I, you show me the guy who was targeting Leonard Fournette in draft season, and I'll show you a guy who won a million dollars in fantasy this year. So don't – that's that's not, nothing to be ashamed about there. Let me ask you this, Tom. I'm, I'm going to pitch this to you. This isn't, this isn't something we talked about before the show, but a guy I totally whiffed on this year um, had him in literally zero I, – I played in almost two dozen leagues this year – had him on zero teams. Stephon Diggs. And the reason I didn't have Diggs was he was going to a team that historically had been running the ball very successfully. He was going to a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new head coach, new offense, new team. And I was just like, you know what? That's too many red flags for me. I'm not down. How did you and John um, uh, have uh, Diggs on your squads this year? Did you have a lot of shares of them? Did you stay away? How did you handle Diggs and Drass? I, I, I'm I'm with you. I have no stock in Stefan. I feel so much better right now. So much better. <laughs> I had him in one of one of seventeen leagues. So, yeah. so so John, you faded him as well, right? Yep. The only one I had him in is he won me money in that uh, best ball that last game of the. Okay. Yeah. Season, yeah. So. <laughs> so so Tom, I'm assuming you and John were on the same page on this. You you faded him for the same reason yeah. I did, right? Yeah, yeah, one what? of a couple of uh, agreements we only had. Yeah, yeah we were – I didn't think – I, you know, Josh Allen before this year, I mean, I didn't think he was going to come in. And what do, what do you have? Did he have like 115 catches? I didn't – 120? I, I don't see what he had. Led the league. Led the, it was yep. 120 plus. He was, yep. I, I never yep. – yeah. like even in my wildest dreams, I never thought – it was some, kind of similar to Josh Allen. I never would have thought either one of those guys put up the numbers they did this year, ever. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You have to, you have to, yeah, you have to give credit to uh, the development of Josh Allen. It, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, Stephon Diggs is great. We all know that from Minnesota. But, I mean, Josh Allen really took it to a whole other level with his, you know, his accuracy, his patience, his ability to, you know, to, to read his keys, pre-snap reads. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just really developed it. And, and Stephon Diggs was the – you know, end result of that, the way he was hey, able to put it. His offensive league. coordinator is going to get a head coaching job probably because of it. So oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like, whether, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, whether it's yeah. whether it's at the pro ranks or college, mm-hmm. you know, like that that dude, if he wants to coach anybody this year, he can. Yep. Uh, Brian Dable is, yep, is Brian certainly. Dable, yeah. and, and, you know, it, it's so funny because a lot of the players, the high-stakes players I've talked to, um, who own Josh Allen in Dynasty, who owns Stephon Diggs in Dynasty, like, God, I hope Dable doesn't go anywhere. They need to pay whatever it takes. Keep him in Buffalo. I need these guys to keep performing. I think he's staying um, in New York, but I think he might go to the Jets. So that's what I, oh, that's another good one, yeah. yeah we'll see what that's, happens that's there. What I, that's a little thing that I've been hearing, but, you know, that's if Urban goes down to Jacksonville. You know, we'll see what's going on. But What do you guys think of that? Like, Because, I mean, are you Big Ten guys, too? I am, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm Big Ten, yeah. but I'm a, I'm an Irish fan. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I was okay, you know, So I'm a yeah, yeah. Golden Domer and uh, yeah. do you guys think that Urban Meyer could succeed on on the professional level because he's going to have a ton of cap space. He's going to have the number one pick. He's going to have James Robinson, probably Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, what do you guys think yeah. about if Urban Meyer goes to Jacksonville? Are the Jaguars a team to target in fantasy drafts? John, I'll pitch this to you. Um, yes, I, I think that he can succeed on the level, on the on the higher level. I mean, he's more, you know, I think he's going to do more of what Pete Carroll did compared to, you know, like Saban coming in and was only there for a year, what was it, a year or two with Miami. But he he's an offensive, you know, he was, you know, he was actually an assistant at Notre Dame and whatnot before he went to Utah, Florida, Ohio State. And he he's a guy that I think, especially at his age, he's going to garner the respect. And you know, I think if he's a younger guy, I don't think he would have gotten it. If he would have done this back after Florida, I don't think he would have been as ah, successful as he could be now. I think those Jacksonville guys, you know, give me a DJ Chark. I mean, give me a Lavisca Chanel or oh yeah, you know, you know James Robinson, Illinois State kid, you know, from Rockford, Illinois. But he, uh, you know, some of those guys I think could really be targeted, but. Again, you know, it, it, it is tough because, again, he's a college guy. You know, he hasn't been in the pros. So does his system work? Does he bring in the right assistants? Does he bring in, 
you know, that's the thing. He's he's compiling a staff right now, and I think Shab Khan really wants him. You know, I think he's willing to spend money, and he's, you know, with that cap space, like you said, you hit it right there. That, I think they have the most, correct? $100 million, maybe? $90 yeah, million? I don't know anybody who has more than $100 million other yeah. than Jacksonville. And I don't know what the NFL is going to do if they're – Going to come down ten, fifteen million on the cap, but we'll see what happens with that. So, yeah, no, I would Tom, pick Jacksonville if that. Yeah, Tom, you, you, you follow the same line of thinking here with with John is if Urban Meyer takes over in Jacksonville, we got to take a hard look at all the Jaguar skill guys for fantasy. Yes, I would say take a hard look. I would say maybe maybe be patient uh, as well. Uh, don't panic. I think uh, you know he. He can vary these days. The, the you know the the college game is transitioned into the NFL, and uh, <clears throat> and I think he's a he's a system guy, a structure guy. I think he's meticulous to detail. Um, he's been successful wherever he goes, so he he's got a foundation, you know, which you know a structure, a system, which you know is a fundamental fundamentally sound, and it uh, it, it, it means uh, success at, at everywhere he's going. So I think. I think, you know, now more than ever, you know, I think he can. I mean, uh, the, the, the coach over in, uh, with Arizona Cardinals is a good example of, you mm-hmm. know, being, yeah, it's transitioned into the NFL and you just see more and more of it. You know, the game is kind of blended. The college game is kind of blended into the NFL these days. So I think he's going to, I think he's going to do well. And I would say definitely take a hard look at some of those players. And, uh, and I think they're going to do well in this system. The FFPC Divisional Playoff Challenge, the FFPC Playoff Challenge number two, kicks off this weekend um, with eight teams in action. We're going to see Buffalo versus Baltimore. We're going to see Kansas City take on Cleveland. Green Bay will battle the Rams, and obviously the old man playoff matchup between New Orleans and Tampa Bay, Brady and Breeze, is going to go off. Tommy, if there was one player or, or um, uh, you know, that, that you want to target to make sure you get on your roster for this uh, playoff challenge, and then a guy that you want to make sure you don't want to have on your roster, who are those two guys? And then after you're done, John, I, I wanted uh, you to inform the listeners who your target and fade would be in this yeah. competition. <laughs> well, you don't want to target Jared Goff this weekend. <laughs> who knows if he's going to play, right? I mean, you, you, I mean, it, it's good that he is the first game in this, but as of, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday evening here. We don't know if he's going to be active for this game. I would think he is, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would not target that one, but I, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you, your, your, your guy over there in Green Bay, I would target, I mean, right? I mean, I'm sure you probably got him. Are you going to roster him this week, aren't you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's that you can only obviously roster one player per team. Now, I can't play in this playoff co- challenge as, as an employee of the FFPC, but there's going to be plenty of people that are on the Aaron Jones bag- bandwagon. There's going to be plenty of people that, that love Devontae Adams this weekend, too, given that you can start two receivers and, and two flexes here. But, you, but Tommy, let's let's talk about this a little bit. You think Aaron Rodgers is the guy to own, you think the Packers are getting to the to the uh, Super Bowl this year, where you get double points in this competition? It's, it, it hurts me to say it. You well, know, just be you truthful. Know. Nobody cares about your fandom right now. Just, yeah, just be you truthful. Know, I, you know, I know, I know, I know. None of us Bear fans want to see Rogers go to the uh, Super Bowl, so I mean, it, it, it pains me to say it. But yeah, I think I think he's taking them to the to the promised land. Yeah. I think Rogers is going to be at the. That'll be a Super Bowl. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Green Bay, and and I think it's going to be Kansas City. Just, so uh, so Tommy, so so just real quick on that, would you be not rostering Alvin Kamara, knowing that 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 you, if you believe that New Orleans is not getting there, is that a guy you'd fade and you'd look elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. You have to take some. You know, you have to take a calculated gamble. And if Kamara's not going to be there, then. If you don't think he's going to be there, then yeah, you, you kind of have to take that unless you think he is, that one per game is going to be enough to, you know, carry you, carry you. I don't, I, I would think you have to look elsewhere. John, you're a monster in the midway. Are you sharing Tommy's <laughs> view on this? Well, he, he knows the Packers may very well get there. He is, you are not going to get him to say that on the radio. No. Wait, is, <laughs> John, no. we, I love that it's on the radio. John, tell us. Tell us a little bit more about your feelings about Aaron Rodgers. The Bears. No, um, 
I hate Aaron Rodgers with all my soul. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> 20, I, no, I think he's 20. Yeah, it's disgusting. But look, I was in Lambeau for a Bears victory when we hurt Rodgers, so that was good. That made me feel good. But Was that a collarbone? Was that a collarbone game? Yeah. Every time I go to Lambeau, it's like, hey, thanks for coming. You know, thanks for coming and spending your money. And then after that game, it was like, get out of here. We lost Rodgers. I'm like, you haven't had a quarterback for 60 years. What do you guys want? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it, like getting into this fade, and like Tommy was saying, you know, I didn't jump in the second challenge. I just did the the original one. Uh, right. I did a couple of those. So the guy I have on on mine and some of my football guys ones like this. I mean, I I think that is Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is a guy you got to have in my mind. Point and so, a half. He's going to be a monster. He's going to be a monster this weekend. You know, I. Uh, I think, you know, I think they do get there, you know, if it's Buffalo, KC, and the AFC, but it pains me. I'm, you know, like Tommy said, I, I have to be a realist, you know, I do gamble a lot too, but you know, it's the Packers, but I would say, you know, I don't like Aaron Jones this weekend at all. I I don't think that with that Rams defense, I think Rodgers is going to have to beat him. You know, I just, you know, I think a guy more, you know, you might see a guy like, like Dylan come in there. Like it's a guy that me and Tommy drafted. We were kind right. of hoping that, you know, A.J. Dillon, what, what he did against Tennessee or Jamal Williams, you know, might be more of a fit. The bit, You know, I don't know. I mean, he could be good, but I, I'm not putting any stock in Aaron Jones. Now, again, if you're asking me, and I'll, I'll say it on the radio, I think the Packers <laughs> are going to be in the Super Bowl. But it's Right. Somebody's going to have to go to Lambeau and beat them. I don't think it's going to be the Rams. I think it's going to be a, t- a tough sledding, you know, offensively for the Packers. But, you know, then you got somebody, it's either going to be, you know, TB12 or, or uh, Drew Brees, Brees coming up there. And, yeah. you know, Drew Brees is, you know, the Bears, if they had any wits about them or Javon Wims wasn't an idiot, they could have maybe won that game. But. <laughs> oh, that Wims thing. <laughs> I was just so irritated. I was watching that, and, and I was like, oh, here it is. You know, and, and, well, you know, we have a guy like Javon Wims that, well, Wims is, is not nearly as bad MBS? as Marcus. Yes, MBS, dude. That guy, like, I host a local radio show here in, in northeast Wisconsin, an afternoon radio show um, during weekdays. And, like, everybody was complaining about him, and I'm like, this is who he is. You know, he is going to break your heart. He is going to catch a, a, an 80-yard touchdown, and he's going to mend that heart together. And before the end of the game, he is going to rip it to shreds. And that is what he does. And, like, and I've made my peace with that, and, that, and that's okay. And it may cost the Packers the Super Bowl this year. We'll see. I don't know. But uh, I have no faith in Marquez Valdez-Cantley. All right. I have one more question for you guys before I get to it, and you guys have been incredibly gracious with the with your time tonight, and I, I certainly appreciate that. John, I'm going to pitch this first to you. Um, we've never done this on the show before. Uh, Super Bowl prediction. I need the representative from the AFC. I need a representative from the NFC, and I need the final score. And, John, after you give your prediction, Tom, I want to hear yours as well. Um, I I think KC gets through. I think it's going to be KC against Green Bay. I know that's not, you know, going off the record. I think We're not asking them. Don't, don't listen. Don't be different just to, for the sake of being different. I don't Make think it's going to be a tie scoring. I mean, I think it, I, I go KC, Green Bay. I say Mahomes over Rodgers, 31-27. Tom, what say you? I, I'm, I'm Kansas City, Green Bay. Super Bowl showdown. The, the the future of the NFL of going against the GOAT, you know, and uh, you know, one of the best in the game, uh, all the same, like Aaron Rodgers, it's gonna be a fantastic showdown. And I think I think you bet the over in the second half. That's what you should do. Definitely bet the ah. over in the second half. <laughs> Good tip. Good tip. Yeah. I, I think uh, I think Kansas City wins. Uh, I think it's a Fourth quarter, late last minute, late quarter drive, and I think they keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, so he can't do the same to them. And I think Kansas City sneaks away with the thirty-eight to thirty-five win. All right, so there you go. You you heard it from two of the best in the FFPC: Chiefs over Packers. Tom says bet the over in the second half. I'm inclined to believe him. We'll see what happens uh, when we get the game in February. All right, final question, guys. You guys won $25,000 winning the big payback this year. I already recited 
uh, the litany of all the players, the great FFPC players you beat. Tom, I'm going to pitch this first to you, and then John, I want you to go ahead. Um, 25 grand. You simply reinvesting that money for 2021 fantasy leagues? Are you spending anything um, uh, as as a luxury, as a reward? What are you guys doing with that cash? <laughs> I feel like I already spent it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to use a small portion of it to reinvest it into next year, and uh, I'm going to take the rest of it to Vegas Super Bowl weekend. There you go, John. What about you? <laughs> Uh, well, let's put it this way. My wife loves to spend money, so, um, <laughs> you know, she knew about it, and, you know, I use that. But now Tommy's already put his in Ultimate X. I don't know what he's telling you. So yeah. that one put me going in the slot yeah. machine. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I in, all, in all honesty, we are. I told you we are, uh, you know, doing some home renovations at a couple houses, but we're, you know, I'm going to use some of it for a uh, – you know, just taking a little getaway for our 15-year 15, 15 anniversary here in February. So we're going to go get somewhere warm and, and relax, you know. So it'll be – I've already reinvested some of it with my dynasties, and, you know, I left some money in and playoff challenges. So, you know, it's going to be uh, – I was going to say something else, but we're on the radio. We're going to say something funny, but <laughs> – Yeah, no, no, uh, strippers and coke. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, we won't bring that. We're up. too old for that now. I mean, maybe if we were 20 years ago, it'd be. You know, maybe... <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff from you guys. I know I kept you on a little bit longer uh, this you. week, but every time it seems like every time I have the series finale of this specific podcast, we always hang on for the better part of an hour um, in in uh, getting your insight and not only for 2020 how you got there, how you plan on getting back there in 2021. It was awesome talking to you. Um, I wish you guys Eric, good talking nothing. to you. Well, thank you so much. I wish you guys nothing but the best, not only in your dynasty leagues. You obviously got rookie drafts coming up in May, but in uh, repeating as the big payback champs, maybe we'll bring back off the grid in yep. the FFPC. We'll Get see. I know you guys Get will back. be. You guys will yeah. be the team to beat yeah. in in that, no question as well. And um, and enjoy divisional playoff this weekend. We got a lot of great fantasy football Thank and you. a lot of great football uh, ahead of us. It's going to be a, a blast to watch. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for joining us. How many Brandon people Rota at Lambo this weekend, by the way, Eric? What's that? How many people at Lambo this weekend? Um, six thousand is the maximum. They are only now. Here's the thing: like because of the the local radio show I, I alluded to earlier, um, one of our sponsors is a big fan of it, and he said um, if he is lucky enough to get selected for tickets, then I will actually get to go to it, which I'm very excited about. Oh, nice. Um, But but I don't know what's going to happen because here's the thing. Like, it's no indoor seating. So if I do get selected to go, I will have to be out in the the five-degree weather or whatever, you know, which is I've done before, and, and I still have a good time. It's not necessarily looking forward to it. But if it helps my Packers get to the NFC Championship, I'm willing to make that sacrifice, guys. As I know you will in the forthcoming years when the Bears get back on top and are uh, defending the NFC uh, uh, in the uh, Super Bowl, no question, right? Well, season tickets just don't seem as they just get so unexciting sometimes. So. <laughs> well, hey, Kyle Trask would certainly hey. change that. Oh yeah, he you know he's a slinger. You know he'll throw it around. That's for sure. If we get yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's thank like he's, he's the, thank you for having us. I appreciate it, man. Yep. I had a blast. Me and, too. Uh, uh, it was an honor to be on the show and and, and compete uh, against the best. So thank you again for uh, having us. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. This is one of my f- most favorite episodes of the season, and uh, I, I wish you nothing but the best going forward. Except for I hope Jordan Love continues. The, uh, the quarterback dominant for the NFC North. When that ever happens, Aaron Rodgers might play at least 50. I have no idea. You guys would know better than me. Thanks so much for joining yeah. me. Take care. All right. All right. Take care. Be safe. Thanks, Tom. Good luck. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. Much love. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.